Virginia. Did you know the law protects patients from surprise medical bills? Insurance companies and hospitals post cost information online. You can request a good faith estimate three days ahead of hospital care. Know your rights as a healthcare consumer. Visit controlyourcare.com to learn more about patient-focused healthcare laws. Controlyourcare.com can help empower your healthcare decisions. Paid for by the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hello, and welcome to the first episode of the Ranger. Ryan show. Uh, we are running perpendicular with uh, the Rings uh, of Power House of Dragon show we're doing. Uh, but this will be just me, you know, just me uh, chatting about fantasy films. Uh, I do have different equipment for this show. Uh, I am recording it off site. So I needed something that was a little bit more compact. I hope everything sounds okay. I know it might be a little different. I'll try to fix it in post if there's any kind of any kind of weird echo or anything. Uh, but it's really so I can just move around, you know. I feel like, you know, when I'm doing the show with JT, I'm always, like, leaving to go get a drink, just kind of uh, moving my head, you know, and I keep moving my head, so I got a headset that has a relatively good microphone, and I'm going to use it at least for, you know, the first the first half of these episodes um, and they will be releasing with the rings of power and house of the dragon episode. So, uh, but we're mainly going to be talking about, you know, fantasy films that, um, that I enjoy, right. Uh, I am going to skip over the Lord of the Rings and I'm going to skip over the Hobbit uh, just because I do want to have those discussions after uh, the Rings of Power is over uh, with JT in kind of a bigger scale, where this show is kind of a smaller scale, uh, where I talk about things like I used to talk about, you know, just little facts about uh, films. And, you know, I I like talking about reviews out there from uh, professional movie reviewers. And uh, this gets me back into that. And also um, a lot of the movies I watch with my kids, which I did in the previous season when I talked about movies like Beetlejuice and uh, the Mighty Ducks. So these are some of them, not all of them, because there are some movies I'm going to be talking about on the Ranger Ryan show that are a little, uh, little inappropriate. So I, not every everything will have a story tied to it, but most will. Uh, so I guess uh, let's get on with the show. The Ranger Ryan Show.
the wonderful Wizard of Oz. Today we're going to be talking about probably one of the uh, one of the greatest films of the 1930s, uh, which would be The Wizard of Oz, uh, produced by MGM, which of course is based off the book from 1900 by L. Frank Baum. And I would say that it's not, uh, you know, exactly like the book. I don't know if you've read the book. I would uh, recommend the Marvel comic uh, that actually is a is a really good uh, representation of the books and actually quite frightening. Um, so I think that that is something that I would recommend as a comic book reader. I would I would say former comic book reader. Uh, just because things kind of fell off with me in comic books. Um, and it's not because of my age, it's just because of the quality of writing. I just kind of have left uh, that atmosphere and moved on to other things, uh, unfortunately. Uh, but if you do want to, you know, if you don't want to go through the whole book series, which I understand, uh, Marvel does have a really nice interpretation of The Wizard of Oz, uh, directed by... Victor Fleming, uh, who did it was kind of a kind of a situation like uh, Justice League. Uh, so Victor Fleming um, left the production to take over uh, the trouble with uh, Gone with the Wind was having some issues. So still, he was replaced by a director that did not shoot anything. Uh, therefore, he would get the director credit. Uh, starring, of course, Judy Garland as Dorothy. And um, amazing, amazing film. You know, uh, the use of Technicolor um, in the way it was told, the, the way the story was told through color um, is, is kind of a kind of a very important cinematic moment. You know, when it goes from that black and white and the and the screen moves out and becomes color and. Uh, ironically, the uh, I don't know if you've seen the Simpsons movie. The Simpsons movie starts uh, in a four-three ratio, and then it uh, it pans out um, into you know into the full widescreen, um, and it's kind of you know I mean I I'm sure it's a nod to the Wizard of Oz film, um, but it's it's a pretty it's a pretty you know impactful moment when that happens. You know, like my kids. Uh, when we watched the movie, the <laughs> first thing they said was, uh, it's black and white? I was thinking, yes, this part? Because uh, you don't really want to give that away, right? Because it's probably one of the most colorful films of all time. <laughs> and, you know, we're going to talk about another film uh, later in the series that is equally as colorful. I'm not going to give anything away. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's just a really impactful moment. Uh, the film did not do very well, actually, when it first came out. It wasn't considered a uh, a profitable film. Uh, it earned uh, three million on a on a two point seven million dollar budget. Um, so MGM actually kind of you know was kind of upset with the result because it was a very expensive film, uh, the most expensive at the time, and it didn't really you know receive a profit. And actually, didn't happen until the film was re-released. Uh, it was uh, it was less than twenty years later, but it was re-released and made its money back. Uh, was actually put into um, it was put on television. Uh, it was maybe thirty years after that, 
or 30 years after the original release. Um, and that actually helped add revenue wise and everything else to Gardner to have more money. Um, but due to that, due to the re-release and due to the uh, being played on television, which was kind of a big deal, the film is considered the most watched film of all time, having the most viewers. And if you think about it, that you know that viewership increases as the population increases because it is kind of a staple film uh, that I think most parents would share with their kids. I know we did pretty early on. Uh, just because it is kind of, it's got good music. Uh, it's one of the few awards that it won uh, was for Best Original Song, Over the Rainbow. And, you know, Academy Award-wise, I mean, I, I thought it would have done better. Um, it was nominated uh, for six Academy Awards, but really uh, only won the original song and uh, original score. Um, and the score to me doesn't really, I can't even really pinpoint it um it's really the music that i remember the most and of course the characters themselves which were not um you know not necessarily going to be those actors there was actually quite a lot of issues involved uh judy garland of course um got the decision pretty early on even though shirley temple uh was a um you know, was uh, considered for the role. The best story about casting would come from the Tin Man. Uh, the Tin Man was originally going to be played by uh, Ray Balger, who actually, uh, we know him as playing the Scarecrow. Uh, so he was taken out of the role as Tin Man. And because he had this huge, his uh, childhood idol, Fred Stone, uh, played the Scarecrow on... Uh, the theatrical stage in 1902, and it was very impactful for him. Therefore, he wanted to, you know, do what his idol did. So he was like, please, let me be Scarecrow. Um, so he became the Scarecrow. So that's Tin Man gone. Uh, and then they were, uh, they casted uh, Buddy Ebsen for the role of um, Tin Man, because they kind of switch roles, right? So Buddy Ebsen, uh, if you don't know who Buddy Ebsen is, he would probably best be known for the father on the Beverly Hillbillies. And uh, I, I think that's probably, you know, Jed Clampett is probably his biggest claim to fame. Uh, but he was a, he was originally the scarecrow. He got switched to 10 man. So they swapped roles and then it came down to the 10 man costume. Uh, so the 10 man costume uh, required uh, aluminum paint, right? For the skin. And Buddy Epson had a horrible uh, allergic reaction, and he ended up in the hospital, uh, and he was replaced, uh, which is understandable, I guess, you know, um, because why put yourself in that kind of situation again, right? So... After that, they changed the way the makeup was done. Uh, they decided to put a layer in between the um, the actual skin and the aluminum paint. Uh, so there was like a cream layer in between, and that nobody nobody else ended up in the hospital, uh, which is good. Uh, Bert Lahr was signed on for the Cowardly Lion, uh, pretty much the only 
character that uh, stayed where they were supposed to. Uh, the actual wizard was actually, it was supposed to be W.C. Fields, uh, but that did not work out. Um, then we had Ed Wynn, uh, who was a comedian at the time, also uh, turned it down because he thought the role was too small. And then uh, Wallace Beery, uh, who would probably be, uh, I don't know if anybody would really know. He's in uh, Grand Hotel from 1932, uh, and he played Long John Silver in 1934's Treasure Island. Um, but Wallace Beery was, he wanted to do the role uh, very badly. But due to contractual obligations and the long shooting schedule required for The Wizard of Oz, he was unable to do it. And then Frank Morgan stepped in, and he is who we know as the powerful Wizard of Oz. So after all is said and done, we have Jack Haley now replacing uh, Buddy Epson as the Tin Man, even though I, I know he did have some sort of, uh, he got an eye infection from the same makeup, even though <laughs> it's like, just think of something else, you know? Anyway. Uh, we have Judy Garland as Dorothy. We have everybody in place. And then it came down to the Wicked Witch of the West. Uh, now, Gail Sondergaard was actually supposed to be uh, your Wicked Witch. And she's actually uh, probably would have been a better fit for the role. Uh, just because her character, uh, if you've seen like Dramatic School from 1938 or The Letter from 1940, I know these are all... You know, I know they're all black and white. I know a lot of people don't like black and white films anymore, but she would she would have really uh, made that role completely different. Anyway, she didn't want to do it because she thought uh, the character was kind of uh, kind of you know nasty, right? Uh, she didn't want the character to come off uh, as she she would have played the role like the evil queen in Snow White, but they wanted her to play it like when she transforms into the the you know the ugly character with the apple. And so she was like, "No, nope, I'm not going to do it." So three days before filming started, uh, Margaret Hamilton uh, took on the role of the Wicked Witch, and she does play it a lot like the uh, you know the lady with the apple in. Disney's Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, which is not ironic uh, because that's what they wanted. And she, I, I think she probably did that role as, you know, direct, you know, di taking direction that way. I think she did it spot on. And a lot of her scenes were actually cut from the final film because it was too scary, apparently, for children. I don't know if they're in any of the special features. I don't think I delved that deep when I watched the special features in preparation for this uh, this episode. But she did a great job. If they wanted the... Uh, I, think, I think she's quoted in uh, Snow White as the ugly hag. Uh, if they wanted that character, they got it. And she was not afraid to do it when she did a great job. Um, so special effects, obviously, for this film were... A big deal. Uh, Arnold Gillespie was uh, your primary special effects director. Uh, probably the biggest project uh, of his was creating the tornado 
that is 100% fabric, the tornado in this film. And you had the uh, makeup artist, right, Jack Don. Uh, he was one of the first uh, artists to use foam latex for uh, the creation of the prosthetics of this film, which were used on the Cowardly Lion and Scarecrow mask. So he, um, yeah, both masks use um, that technique, which is actually one of the first time it's ever been done. And uh, finally, uh, just so you, so you know, um, chocolate syrup is uh, is what the oil was. That always concerned, you know. It was always. Uh, even when I was young, watching it, I was like, oh my gosh, that is in his mouth. What is happening? Um, because I, I never really, that was kind of my problem as a kid. I, uh, I kind of diagnosed fantasy uh, into reality as a child. Uh, I never really watched films as magical, which is, which is actually kind of depressing if you think about it. Um, my wife hates going to magic shows with me. Uh, because I don't see things like that, you know. I can't, uh, I can't turn off uh, logic and intrigue. Uh, I need to figure out how things are done, and it's just it's always been a problem. But you know, it kind of helps for hosting a podcast. Um, anyway, let's get on to the reviews. Uh, the film does have a ninety-eight percent certified fresh Rotten Tomato score. I have not read any of these. Uh, similar to when I did the New 52 uh, season of the podcast, I don't, I don't really do a lot of show prep because I want to respond to things in real time, and I think that's important. You know, uh, I don't. You know, I, I'm literally pulling it up as as we speak, and I'm only going to go with top critics because they, uh, you know, publicly put it out there. I never use audience reviews because. You know, I don't have their permission. I didn't. They they might be putting it out publicly on this website, but I prefer to do uh, the people that get paid. The people that get paid to uh, review these films because they think they know better than everybody. Now let's read a rotten review uh, for the Wizard of Oz of all things. What a weird movie. There's a few. There's a few. I'm gonna I'm gonna read two rotten reviews because I think it's just silly. You know, uh, individuals, you know, these, these reviews were posted in 2021 and 2018. Okay. So you're going to give that movie a rotten review. And when it came out at the time, in what way could you give it a negative score? Right? Like it's mind blowing and we don't have anything mind blowing in 2021 or 2018. So I'm, I'm interested. I'm interested on in seeing what they have to say. All right, so the Times UK rotten score, quote, The film is no doubt a triumph of technical dexterity and especially of skill in color photography. But what is the use of making a hollyhock out of cellophane, painting it an ugly color, and then photographing it with complete accuracy? Okay, so I guess he has uh, issues with... Painted backgrounds that that deserves the film from 1939 to get a rotten review. Okay, okay. Uh, lastly, the New Yorker quote: "I sat cringing 
before MGM's Technicolor production of The Wizard of Oz, which displays no trace of imagination, good taste, or ingenuity. End quote. No display of imagination. Okay. Wow. <laughs> All right. Uh, positive reviews, Entertainment Weekly quote, in truth, any opportunity to sell or to see the film on the big screen is welcome. I agree. I would, I would really like to see this film on the big screen. I have not, uh, had to check to see if Fathom has any kind of thing like that in the near future. I mean, if you think about it, you know, maybe 2029, we'll get, uh, <laughs> we'll get a theatrical re-release, but who knows? Uh, we'll go with the Guardian quote, Victor Fleming has made with living people this time the most delightful film of its kind since Disney's Snow White. Okay, so they're comparing the the beauty of Snow White to the beauty of um, The Wizard of Oz, which is actually fine because it is real people and it is uh, you do have some similarities there that I guess would uh, coincide. But, uh, yeah, real people, real costumes, you know. The, um, the little people involved in, uh, in Munchkin land, uh, you know, there were over, over 100 costumes made individually per actor. Uh, the actors were, um, I would say, paid well. I think, uh, you know, it was um, something around $200 a week, which uh, today would be around $1,200 a week. Uh, in today's in today's dollars and you know we would have the same situation if you did a snow white film and um the scale of the wizard of oz is really what what is so amazing uh, we'll go to leonard malton from leonardmalton.com quote the old-fashioned old-school wizardy wizardy i would say wizardly wizardy of MGM still looks impressive to me today. End quote. And I, I'm going to, I can end on that one. That is uh, very accurate. You know, there are films, I would argue, um, don't hold up. Uh, you know, I think, and, and most of those are, you know, I'm kind of in the musical realm here, uh, but I can have my kids watch Sound of Music, which I think is still great. Um, Mary Poppins is actually less great to me, uh, even though I will be talking about Mary Poppins in this series. I won't be talking about Sound of Music. It'll probably come up. It'll probably come up during Mary Poppins because they they were up against one another with the same actor uh, for awards. But yeah, there's certain films that just really don't uh, don't hold up and leave a huge impact on the culture. Uh, where I think The Wizard of Oz is actually one of the most impactful films of all time and uh, a great, um, a great way to start off this podcast talking about fantasy films, uh, because you know traditional fantasy storytelling was taking a character out of our world and put into a different world, a world of fantasy. And even though it's all a dream, right? Um, that was actually very common uh, in the 1900s for uh, storytelling was to with, with fantasy. Um, to take these characters and transport them as opposed to as opposed to you know it just being a fantasy world which is what made Tolkien so different and uh, so great 
the next film I'm going to be talking about is the exact opposite, um, in a way, of this film. Uh, first of all, it's more modern, and well, you'll just have to you'll just have to wait. Uh, thanks for listening, and uh, be well. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.